You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug, and uh, you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're here to kind of help you peel the onion of what it means to be a leader for your business, your organization, and the team around you. And today, we're going to turn the spotlight on to the arena of sales, and we are going to be camped out in the SMB arena more so than anything we might occasionally talk about here corporately. But for your small to mid-sized businesses, sales is something that is inevitable. You, you've got to generate revenue. You've got to have leads. You've got to build client and customer relationships. And my guest today is going to help us uh, understand more about that. His name is Carl Becker. Carl, greetings and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. What a great kind of recap too, or framing of what we're going to talk about today. I, I love your shows. I love the content and how you're really helping people, I think, see the inner game too, what's going on. Uh, so thank you again. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, I, I'm going to dive right in and, and, and get and get yucky and messy real fast. You know, when, it, when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs, particularly those that might be in professional services space, which I understand is one of your uh, key focus areas, they don't like sales. They it, it's 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 yucky. It's messy. It's uh, it's not who they see themselves being. Yet, as I said, you've got to have sales to re- generate your revenue. So, how, how do you bust through that mindset right out of the gate? Yeah, I mean, you did jump right into the deep end of the pool, and I would say all of us, even professional salespeople, we all have some level of head trash, and and I think oftentimes. One of the first things I tell people to do is like, hey, you know, what do you play for? Like if you're an entrepreneur or if you're in sales, like why did you choose this? And and sometimes we say it shows us and I get that. But it's usually around impact, connection, making a difference, betting on ourselves. There's themes like this that show up all the time. But yet, you know, the flip side of that coin is we have all this kind of societal um, head trash around what it means to be in sales. If you watch any sales movie, you know, the sales guy is like over the top and big and manipulative. And, and it's all about the greed and the money. And it's like, I, I got to tell you, I'm 51 years old. That is a rarity. Most of the people I find in sales and certainly most of the entrepreneurs, they, they lead with their heart because they want to solve something. They want to fix something. They want to connect. So to answer your question, to kind of get deep in it, I often tell people, you know, there's probably baggage you have from could be your parents, could be your prior manager, could be your partner, you know, or even just whatever you got in your head is like, I want to be seen as someone that's kind and nice and and helping people. And as soon as I tell someone what to do or kind of get a little slightly aggressive or confident about why they should work with us, all of a sudden I feel salesy and it's icky. And uh, I guess the first thing I would say is just to kind of claim that that sales isn't that. Sales is about being a guide. It's about supporting people. It's about solving problems. And, you know, sometimes when you solve a problem, you have to be that coach or that that mentor that says, you know what, Doug, I, I, I know this might come across a little aggressive, but you really should do this. Based on what you told me, you know, I think this is going to help you. Can we talk about that? And at least get that elephant in the room out and get into conversation is what I find is one of the first steps. I I always think back when this subject comes up, I flash back to what is arguably my first sales call. I, I was a young Boy Scout and, and we were 
tasked with selling something. I mean, I know Boy Scouts didn't sell cookies. I don't know what we were selling, but it involved getting on the phone and calling friends, families, and people we knew and telling them the story. And I can remember, of course, I'm telling my age now, you know, I had a hardwired landline at, at yeah. my house and that was my phone device. But I can remember standing in my hallway where our little phone stand was just staring at the phone, mm. <laughs> trying to work up the courage to make the first call. And it was Absolutely. a long, painful experience sitting there. And I don't know what was probably going through my head at 10 years old uh, trying to make that call, but uh, I, I vividly remember the moment trying to get past it. But then, uh, to be fair, I, I also remember, you know, the joy of that first call saying, yeah, I'll buy one of those. I'll, I'll take that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm in, you know, I want to support the scouts. And, uh, you know, I felt like I'd conquered the world. It was like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. You know, um, I think we, you know, we, we get that kind of uh, reptilian brain or whatever kicking in, like it's anxiety, right? I'm going to call someone, I'm going to talk to someone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself out there. Uh oh, fear, right? Am I going to get attacked? Am I going to get hurt? And I think so much of it is being authentic. And, and, you know, I can, I can even talk, I can even think about times where I have been on a call and I've said something to the person, you know, Doug, this might sound crazy. You know, there's a brainstorm. I, I I just want you to tell me, did I hear you right? Is this right? Uh, based on what you told me, Doug, it seems like you really want to do X, Y, and Z. And I think I can help you. What do you think? You know, and and, and if you start to kind of frame up the authenticity and, and, and show that you're there to support someone, like even in the Boy Scouts, like, hey, you know, grandma, I'm really excited about being the Boy Scouts. We're doing this fundraiser. Could you help me out? This is what we're doing. That changes the conversation, right? It's you're opening yourself up versus, hey, do you want some tickets? I need to sell $500 worth of stuff and so I can go to Boy Scout camp. Like those are different experiences, right? But I do think, uh, you know, I remember back when I first started in the financial industry many, many years ago, that was that 10,000 pound gorilla is what we called it, that phone. Like it, it, it was like this huge weight to pick up, right? And talk and it was, yeah, it was rough until you kind of found your your groove, you know, your your message, how you wanted to show up. And I think that's that's a big secret of sales. How do you want to be as an individual when you're out in the world interacting with people? Right. Well, so many thoughts that we could get into on this. And and I I do uh, there are many I want to think about, but I, but but I the one that's really dominant in my mind right now is the whole idea if if I'm in a B2B type service business, where do I find my leads? Where does all that process start? I mean, that, that may sound incredibly rudimentary, but I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. In, in your mind, you know, where does that process start? It's a really, really actually deep question because there's not a surface level answer. Uh, you know, the, the, the table stakes would be, well, who's your current customer? And can you find more of them like that? And where do they live? And it's like, yeah, those are all academically correct. I think the deeper, true, really true answer is, you know, how do you play to your strengths as this individual contributor, as this individual salesperson? Now, we can certainly spread that out across the sales organization if we had five or 10 or 20 people and kind of think about it each way. But like I've met salespeople that love to network. They are such social creatures that if, you know, 
you see them in a line at Starbucks and they're already talking to whoever's in front of them, right? And others are super introverted and they're amazing listeners. And that's why they're so good at sales. So at first I kind of go, how do you want to be? You know, are you somebody that wants to interact in person? Are you really good at networking? Maybe you did something in your prior life where you have an amazing network uh, of people that you can reach out to. A lot of it kind of depends on how do you want to be if we're really solving this. And then I think once you understand that, it's getting back to um, who is my target audience? Who is my ideal customer? But it, 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 it's deeper than that. Um, so for me, I would say a, a fun game I like to play is you just sat down on a plane, first class seat, and your next best customer sits down next to you. Who is that? Can you describe them? And if you start to do this exercise, you start to kind of make this make-believe person. Um, or if you know the job title and the person right now, I, I always say like, well, then let's go talk to them right now. But I, I think it starts with um, who is that ideal person? Who would you want sitting next to you and why? And then when you start to explore the why, I think it gets to what is the things in their life? I'm a big fan of can I get someone's world if I'm selling? The more I can get someone's world, uh, back to iceberg selling, which is the book I wrote, we only see about 10% on the surface and 90% is below, like an iceberg. Like think about the movie Titanic. So like I want to I wanna identify those icebergs of these people, but then I want to really get their world. I want to understand what's underneath. So I think to kind of get to a more tangible answer, I think the first step is who's in that airline seat next to you? What's their world like? You know, um, what are their challenges? If if I heard them vent to their best friend about what's going on in their life, what would they say? And how do I solve that? So I start to understand that I need to get really clear on who I help. And then from there, I like to kind of think about, okay, where do I create connections? Almost like chemistry class, right? Like how do I create like all these bonds happen, all these like different molecules start to hit each other. It's the same thing. So yeah, you could... You could use LinkedIn. You could go to networking events. You could work your network. You could see industry associations. But at some level, I think you got to understand who you want to sell to and how you want to be with them and then start to go, where do they live? How do I bring a message to them? And and a, a deep message, a message that kind of like wakes them up, not just a surface message. It's like, we're great. Uh, Long-winded answer, but that's, I think, how I would process through it. Well, as you were describing that, I'm, I'm thinking about the other thing I've heard quite frequently among my client business owners. They, they'll say, like, I've run out of my network. I have contacted everybody on this planet that I know I know. And now I got to I got to go yet again. I, I, I have to double down or, or, or yeah. do something. And. And for those that are not the natural networkers, I think that's where people, and, and I'm going to just say this, it's going to sound like a judgment, but it's it's from a lot of experience and uh, this journey with folks. And, and that is, is, so now the temptation is, well, I'm going to jump on social media. I'll, I'll spend some money on ads. I'll try to put something out there. And that becomes this other beast unto itself. True. You know, I, I would answer or solve kind of the scenario you said in a couple ways. And these are some quick wins. This is like when I come in and start working with a client, I try to find quick wins. Quick wins is something that will give you lift right away, most likely revenue lift because, you know, sales and revenue feed your business. It's the fuel in your engine. So we want to have reserve fuel, right? We want to have not only fuel in the tank, but like we know where the gas stations are and we already have like fuel lined up for us. If you think about it, kind of like a trip across country, you've, you've got you got things there and that's your sales funnel, right? You've got different stages, hopefully different people in it. 
ready to buy, next up, next up. I always look at the sales funnel from kind of like bottom up, who's closest to revenue, all the way through the top. And you want to see like a blend. So what I typically tell people to do, and we're going to pretend everybody has a CRM or at least a list of customers, like go through that first, right? Who, who, who would be somebody I can talk to and share an idea with? right? That becomes an upsell or a cross-sell. But it's, it's back to like, if you really want impact, think about how you help people. So we know our customers really, really well, but oftentimes whatever we sold them, we keep selling just that thing. And we don't get curious about what else is in their life and how we can support them. And that could be with another offering of ours, or it could be an introduction to one of our partners. And now we're starting to build like, like almost like a network of super friends, if you will, that support your business. And they can do the same thing with their customers. So one of the first things I say is like, who is on our customer list, client list that we can reactivate? And then I like to go through who's everyone that we've lost a deal to over the last year or two. How can we reactivate them? And it might be, again, doing some research. Like, what do I know about them? If I looked at social media, if I tried to get curious, what could I learn about what might be have changed in their world? Uh, maybe they went with our competitor and that competitor went out of business or, you know, they just had a huge layoff. Like, so there's usually like quick wins. And, and a lot of times we forget that because we're like, where's the next lead? Where's the next lead? And it's like, man, you have a gold mine in your CRM or in your kind of ecosystem. Uh, and then from there, I'm a really big fan, especially if you're in professional services and you know who buys your product and you know what their life's like. So um, last piece here, and then I'll, I'll pass it back to you. I do a lot of work in the live event space. So think about meeting planners. They do events all the time. They're kind of like this evergreen lead. You sell them once they hopefully will work with you again and again and again. So there's a beauty to that relationship. There's a long-term value of that relationship. So what I usually recommend people to do is like, hey, find those people on LinkedIn. Try to find a group of people that fit. Do the research. What associations are they involved in? Can I go to their website and see when their events are? You know, what, you know, can I look at who else is on their team? Are they hiring? Like, I'm just trying to like understand this person. That would be who would be sitting next to me in that plane. And once I understand who that person is, and the clues kind of discovering more and more of their iceberg just through research. And then I can usually craft some sort of like gentle message that's not like, hey, let's buy. But hey, you know, like if you were a meeting planner, did you know there's a new venue opening up in the town? I'm going to go there with my production team and look at it. If you would like to come with us, meet us and kind of hear the questions we would ask to help you as well. I'd love that opportunity, right? I'm not selling the outcome of the event. I'm selling a way of how we could work together. So I, for me... Um, LinkedIn and Sales Navigator to find the people that you really want to talk to, to begin a, a dialogue, a value of like understanding the world and bringing them something to show that you play a deeper game than just the transaction is a really good way to start getting lift. I went through a journey last year in my own business. I did a poll of, of my clients and I was curious and I, I was just asking them you know, can would you share with me your mindset and your use of the social media? You know, where do you click? Where do you browse? Where do you scroll? Where do you? Yeah, that's you know, a great, and everything. great way to engage someone. Yeah, I like that. And the and, and I, I laugh now in hindsight. I don't know if the answers I got were real or true or what, but fundamentally, everybody said I'm not on it at all. Yeah. And I went, no, I don't. I don't believe that. So I went back and asked a few more specific questions. What I did get was, and again, the, the, the dominant profile I'll describe here, these are small business owners that are really just kind of head down in, in their business every day. 
what they did admit, no, okay, I'm on Facebook because, you know, I, I'm, I'm big in wine. I, I'm in a wine group on Facebook or I'm in a car group. You know, I, I, I'm into cars. And, and so it, it's that community group thing that, that's a secondary focus for these people. So it's, it is their area of interest apart from the business. So the point being, with many of my clients, if I had just thought about structuring something as an outreach, either on LinkedIn or Facebook, where I was just really, you know, head in on, on the business issue, I would have missed their eyeballs because yeah. when they're there, that's not what they're thinking about. And so I thought that was a really interesting takeaway from my little, very unscientific survey. Yeah, I, I understand where you're going with that. And, and I, I look at I look at what you're describing a lot like one of the mindsets in my book, which is called, you know, being of service, like always be of service. And what I mean by that is understand someone's world and then imagine they're like a good friend of yours. Uh, what is something I could do to make their life better? And, you know, I'll give an example of like a realtor. So let's say you're a realtor and uh, a family's coming into town and they call you, you got a referral and you're going to take them to see some houses. And that family has two teenage boys and they both love to play golf so much that it's their passion. And I want you to pretend it's summertime. And now they're away from golf. They're away from their friends and they're looking at these houses in this new community and they're just, they're mad. You can see their body language, just really frustrated. So even though you've been hired to help this family find a new community, find a new house, you have this opportunity to provide value to those two kids. And so in that model, you could be like, you know what, when we talk, let's meet at the golf course. I'll bring my clubs. Your kids can borrow them. Or I've rented some clubs. They can be at the you know, uh, driving range while we're talking business, right? And what you're doing is you're creating a place where those parents feel relief. The kids feel supported. And now you can have that conversation about why they interacted with you in the first place. So that's like an example of like being of service as a salesperson, if you were that realtor, thinking outside of it. Um, so the derivative of that is when you see your communities having conversations, there's a ton of currency. And, and for me, I, I want to create value. I want to create connection. So if I can start to support the people in my community with other values, I start to build relationships and as we build relationships and we share a little bit, opportunity, possibility happens. So again, if you're that entrepreneur and, and to your point, you're on social media, you're in a wine group or whatever, as you start to understand that and kind of build your virtual friends or your friends in the virtual environment, I should say, not AI friends, but friends in the virtual environment, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, th th there's always an opportunity after you've kind of built enough rapport to bring other conversations. Um, but we have to remember, they're not about what's important to you. Like, hey, buy my thing. It's about how do you see the world and provide those people more value where they feel supported and understood. And when you do that, really great things happen. That's like getting a referral or networking, right? Human connection creates the momentum of the possibility of the sale. Yeah. Well, well Carl, with all your experience doing this, do you see any new trends emerging in the, in the sales world or in this you know, B2B space? You know, the first trend I would see is it's going to be the inner side, the inner game. So oftentimes I'll go into an organization and the, the leadership that's talking to the salespeople, they're always having conversations about what I call the bottom of the funnel, the transactions. Like, hey, you know, give me an ideal sales call, you know, X, Y, Z. And then they go, do you want to buy this? And I tell them our value. And then they say, yes. And I think there's this 
kind of juxtaposition of a mindset around always thinking revenue. And then we start to work with like a marketing agency or we're doing some sort of like, uh, I would call it top of the funnel work. We're bringing in people that are just curious. And I feel like a lot of times leadership and individual salespeople don't realize that these two are not like far apart, but they're actually together. And what I'm trying to say to kind of drill it down is salespeople, I think in today's world are trained and told to talk about the sale, where if we go back in time, salespeople were also talking about the relationship and the lifetime value and how to be of service and educating. And the sale was the output or the outcome, I should say, the outcome of all those activities. But because of digital marketing and because leads enter the funnel and because we read things, we go to podcasts, I think there's this, this kind of thought with a lot of small business leaders that anyone that walks in and sends, signs up for your newsletter or does whatever is ready to buy. So to me, the, the big thing that I'm seeing changing is helping sales realize that they can have conversations earlier in the sales process that are just like general conversations, discovery conversations. I know it sounds like common sense, um, but in, in today's world with a ton of digital, I think we think everyone's ready to buy or marketing just has to market, 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 market until they're ready to buy. And what I'm trying to communicate here is encourage your salespeople, uh, anybody that would be given a lead to learn to have conversations that are outside of just the sale. They're like well, truly back to that iceberg. It's understanding what's important to people. And what I found is as, as your sales organization and your leadership starts to realize that the way salespeople are perceived is different, the way they see themselves is different, and the value we create is much, much higher. So it's not so much a trend of like, this is the next best fishing hole. But I think it's more like, how do we do more with what we already have and try to have those breakthrough thoughts around that? To me, that's that's the blue sky. That's where there's a ton of opportunity. Um, and and, and so it gets back to kind of the quick wins I talked about, right? You already have your next customer in your CRM. They've already contacted you. You just need to change your perspective of how you show up and interact with them. You know, the thought that strikes me as you're describing that is, to me, what you're describing is a sales culture. The culture has to support the idea that we want to build a relationship. We want to nurture the, the the prospect through the funnel to get to the transaction. But so many times we see the focus being on that bottom line. You know, we need to do X dollars this month or this quarter. And, and that's the only way you're going to get your bonus. You know, it, it's all on that transaction, that narrow right. tip of the funnel, the conversion event. And it, it really is a cultural thing to, to look at it differently, to say, yes, we want that number, but the, what we value to get there is X, Y, and Z at the top of the funnel. You know, we, we want you, and maybe you create KPIs that are actually uh, compensated base. You know, how many relationships did you create this month? And, and you, you play the longer game on your sales cycle. You nailed it. I mean, I just, it's, it's funny. It's almost like you were on a call with me on Friday last week. Uh, this woman calls me in professional services. They sell to CPAs. They're like uh, an offering that that most CPAs don't have a, the this domain knowledge. So they have to outsource it. And so this company is that outsource partner. And we started to talk and sure enough, the, the first conversation was, I got to hit the, my numbers. I got to hit the revenue, da, 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 how many proposals and da, da, da. And I was like, okay, time out. Have you created a roadmap for the next six to 12 months? No. Okay. Let's create a roadmap. 
And in the roadmap, what are your goals going to be? Well, no, half a million in revenue. Okay. Other than that, how are you going to get there? And what we started to unpack was, okay, I want to meet 10 CPA firms. I want to get to know them. I want to go out for a coffee or something where I understand their business. And then from there, I want them, I want to be able to provide some continuing education to like a group of CPAs at that firm. And then I'm looking for one proposal to prove our worth. And from there, I want to expand. I was like, okay, so you didn't say money at all. You didn't say that the, the dollar amount, you were, you're talking about like the source data that then provides the partnership and the um, output outcomes that you want later, like the revenue that you want later. Right. So we started to create like a blended uh, goals and roadmap of like relationships, presentations, uh, referrals within the CPA, telling them to meet their other partner. And then we talked about the actual proposal and closing it. And not only did it like relax that salesperson, but now that salesperson is going to go to their manager and say, this is what my placemat is. This is what my roadmap is. This is how I want to do it. Can you give me some feedback? So they're changing the narrative. Um, but you're right. Like, I think we've got to understand that we're playing for more than just this transaction, because at that point we get, we get weird. You know, we, we, if I don't close this, what's going to happen? Like we get anxious and our customers can feel that versus I want to build a great relationship. And if I know I do that, we're going to work together for a long time and it's going to be profitable for both of us. Like it's a different story. And I realize, you know, coming at it from the business side, I, I realize the nature of your business dictates a lot of this, or at least you think it dictates a lot of it. Because if, if your actual outcome might be transaction based, I mean, the actual thing you do is based on one specific event, not a large project or not a large ongoing pipeline. Um, it's easy to get spun up in that being the thing in your sales logic that gets you there. But um, the reality is, particularly in the B2B space, you, you want a relationship that's ongoing and it's not the spot event. And if your business is based on that spot event happening multiple times, I'm, I'm reminded real quick, let me insert a story. Once upon a time, I live in the greater Houston area. And many, many years ago, there was a big plumbing company here in town and they dominated the airways with their late night ads and all that stuff. You know, but when you when you studied them and, and got to know the leaders and the owners of that business, they had created a mindset that Houston is this huge metroplex. All we ever need to do is get into one house, every house once. And, and we will be, you know, a multi-million dollar business. And you know, that sounded great in the macro way of thinking about it. But if, if you also think about it, what if that means you, you really don't give a flip when you go into that customer's house and you do quick, you know, sort of slapdash work. And all of a sudden, now your reputation is growing as hacks. You know, you're, yep. you're just clunky hacks coming into my house. Well, homeowners are going to spread that word and they're going to say, well, we don't want to hire those guys. You know, they don't care about us. But if you flip that script and say, no, I want to provide a service. I, I want to become your plumber for life. And if you, because, you know, if you own a house, you're going to have plumbing issues uh, one way or another. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really changed the culture at that company, the whole sales dynamic, everything. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because we talk about core values and culture so much when, we, when we're coaching business owners. And I feel like not only do the, does the leadership need to like walk that talk and be the manifestation of those values, but we need to bring it into the sales organization because a lot, and then probably to the delivery team too. So in your example of the plumber, if, if we were running these ads and as a leadership team, we said, look, we're going to delight anyone and people go with plumbing, you're going to delight them. Yeah. We're going to delight them with plumbing, you know, and when they need us, we're going to show up and we understand how stressful it is sometimes and the, the nuances of someone's house and all the things like we, we know what it's like to be the customer. And this is how we want to live our core values or our mission to support them. And we talk like that when we're talking to our salespeople and our delivery team and our plumbers out there and all of that, then, then it does create that multiple lift, that fulcrum uh, where all of a sudden none of us feel like we're selling because we're all representing the brand and the brand values and we use it in our language. And so I think a lot of times the win is just setting your entire team up to know what's important, how you language it, how you do it, and then make sure marketing's doing the same thing. So when we do have that opportunity in the plumbing example or any for a co customer to experience us, it's uniform and it's aligned to why they came in the door in the first place. And so you're right, that starts to create that magnitude um, where you're not going to run out of customers, <laughs> you know, because right. the word of mouth is going to spread and, and people are going to know that you're for real. So a lot right. of sales is just alignment. I, I really believe that alignment and understanding. Well, we've got a few more minutes left. What yeah. are a couple of the other points that we maybe have not yet touched on that are in your book? Your uh, Iceberg Selling, I think, is the title. For those of you that are going to watch the video, it's in the background. And it's back yes. up there. It's a great collection. Yeah, thank you. The reason I call it iceberg selling is if there's one thing you remember, just one thing, you're an iceberg, your customers are an iceberg, every scenario is an iceberg. You usually only see 10% what's going on, right? I tell a story about my wife get, get got mad at me one day because I, quote, loaded the dishwasher wrong. And I would imagine most of you listening have had that conversation. Somebody's told you, you've loaded the dishwasher wrong. And I, I remember that day because it wasn't about the dishwasher. There was something deeper than that going on. And I was able to kind of check myself, be present and say, time out. Let's, let's talk. What's really going on? And we processed through it. It wasn't a big deal, but obviously it wasn't the dishwasher. But the whole point of this iceberg is if you want to be of service, if you really want to like help people and help yourself and help your business, you got to learn what's underneath. You got to know what's really going on. Like with my wife, what was really going on? It wasn't the dishwasher. That was the 10%, right? So in this kind of constructive iceberg selling or iceberg thinking, I really want you to kind of think about you meet somebody and how do you allow or create an environment where they do start to share? So first I like to tell people, do some homework. Like there's five steps. I'll go through them really quick. The first one is do some homework. See what you learn about this person ahead of time. And then when you meet with them, kind of give them a roadmap. Hey, when do we meet? I'd like to spend the next five minutes just learning about why you even got in this business. What's your life like? Why'd you call me? What, what are you hoping to solve? Like bigger questions like that. And then I'm gonna share a little bit about my company, how we work. And then if that makes sense, let's make sure um, I can help you. And if I can, let's throw out some ideas. And then from there, if it makes sense, let's talk about a next step. Does that sound like a good use for time? 100% of the time people say yes to that. I've never heard somebody say, no, just sell me and bring out the smoke and mirrors. They, right. I've never heard anyone say that, right? right. So, right. so um, you know, the, the third step is actually starting to build rapport. And I think as a salesperson, oftentimes we feel like we have to go in and kind of, it's called like show up and throw up. Hey, these are all the reasons you want to work with. Da, 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 da. Instead of 
taking a minute, pausing and be like, Hey, I'm really, I really appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, you know, I've had a really interesting day. This is what's going on in my life. I was really curious to meet you. Um, you know, what, this is a cool part of the community. I've never been here. I've never seen a house on a golf course like this. Like, like you're, you're starting to share what's true for you. And when I share most likely most other humans share back and that's rapport, right? I share, you share, we build rapport. And so it's really important to stay present and not just jump to the punchline of why you're there so that you can start to build enough rapport where you start to see more and more of under the iceberg. The last two steps, you, you might do this already, but I love the co-creation of a solution. I love it. I love it. I love it. So like, what does that mean? It means that if I understand you, Doug, and I understand your problem and what I can do, I might say something like, hey, based on what we talked about today, does this sound like a good idea? And whatever it is, and I start to invite you to help me modify it to fit you. And if you're in professional services, you can do that. If you're selling a commodity, sometimes a little hard, but there are other things you can change. Maybe terms, when you start, when you finish. There's other things you can do to kind of co-create something where you're bought in together. And then the last step that I always tell people is always have a next step. It's so common sense and so basic, but I think this is where head trash kicks in. If we've had a great conversation and then I go, well, let's get our calendars out. You probably go, oh God, he's going to sell me, right? He just, we're not friends anymore. But here's the true secret. The more busy you are, your customer is, the more they need help getting something locked down to move them forward. They need you to move from just salesperson to organizer, to, you know, admin assistant and getting something booked, a clear next step because they're off to the next thing. Once they're off this call or they get in their car and walk away. So the biggest one for me is, realize if you're of service, it's making sure everyone's agreeing to the next step. And then you don't get ghosted and you're not chasing people and doing the, I'm just checking in call, which is horrible. So those would be like the real high level. If you're curious about it, I go into it a lot more in the book, which is a super fun read. It's, it's a short book. It's a, it's a book for salespeople written by a sales guy. So it's fun. <laughs> That's great, Carl. Well, uh, and, and on that note, tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you. Absolutely. Just remember Iceberg and then remember selling icebergselling.com. I've got a website around that book. Uh, you can find my corporate site there where I'll do keynotes or workshops, or you can talk to other consultants on my team that come in and kind of help up-level teams. But if you're curious about Iceberg Selling, what I have to say, um, you can listen to some of it. It's also on Audible. There's some free downloads on there too, like different chapters. Icebergselling.com would be like the easiest way to kind of get activated here and get curious. That's great. Well, we really appreciate you coming and joining us, our discussion here. And folks, as always, we're going to have those links in the show notes. So click them and uh, check that out. And I alluded to it, but I like to remind folks that we do have a video version of this show over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, check out the archive. And most importantly, if you will, for me, leave me a comment, give me some feedback, let me know uh, how we're doing and what we're doing. And tell me if you've got an idea for a topic or a guest that uh, you may want to refer uh, Maybe you're the guy that I need to talk to or the lady I need to talk to, either one, uh, but uh, drop me your info and, and we'll love to have you on. With that, we're going to say goodbye, sign off and go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.